Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we promise not to panic, but it is not good when your starting left tackle is not spotted at practice. Of greater concern, though, Dak Prescott and this Cowboys offense. Number one in scoring, number one in total yards. What does Vance Joseph have in store for Dallas on Sunday? Sounds like there will be opportunities for someone to step up, maybe several players. First, though, maybe we haven't completely turned the page on the past. Long ago and recent past. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 518, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins... Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So apparently we both subjected ourselves to reliving some Cardinals misery Wednesday night. You go first, MJ. Tell everyone what you watched last night. Well, because of the recent passing of of John Madden, and for those Cardinal fans aren't aware, the last game he called was the Cardinals-Steelers Super Bowl. And so, you know, I've watched it 100 times. I I feel like, I, I mean, I can... I don't know if it's a hundred times, but I can tell when guys like Aaron Francisco falls down and Ralph Brown, and you know you go back and just how conservative Wizenhuz was in the first half. But I did it out of honor to the late John Madden. Did the result change at all? I no, mean, no, no, no. One no. foot inbounds as opposed to two feet. No, no? I, I, okay. listen, they reviewed that twice. <laughs> Still, photos don't do any justice. He got both feet down, and I remember going to the locker room, and I can hear a pin drop. And I, clearly, I mean, usually they bring players out, but I was able to go in the locker room. The first guy I went to is A-Dub. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be an interesting conversation. And he said that Wizenhunt told the team, don't blame the officials. It will cheapen the accomplishment we got here from a 9-7 and team. Beat an 11-5 team. He beat the Panthers. He beat the Eagles at home. So, But in honor to John, and it was just interesting just – you know, J.J. Ellington and how Anquan Bolden and Larry didn't have a catch until late in the first half. And just things you go back and you're like, okay. And then obviously the James Harrison play. Thank you to Antrell Roll, who got in the way. <laughs> but you know what was interesting? Mike Gandy, I don't think he ever played a game after that. He he almost got him. It was just, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't want to pick that scab. But I did watch it. Good memories. And I had forgotten until Darren Urban mentioned it on social media on Tuesday night that that final game, Super Bowl 43, was the last of John Madden's broadcasting career, and we know he did everything. Coach, broadcaster, pitch man, video game, I mean, you name it, a great ambassador for the uh, National Football League. What was the uh, tough act in Tenacton commercial, yeah. Miller Lights, Ace Hardware. Oh yeah, yeah that was there was a ton. You know, I, quickly here then, um, story time. So, when the NFL had gotten the rights, uh, that was the first year we got a chance to see Pat Summerall and John Madden, and they were on CBS. And I didn't re- realize that Vin Scully worked one year with John Madden. So, anyways. So I was looking for work, and it was basically you're you're basically a runner. So I show up on Saturday morning at Sun Devil Stadium. They got the Madden truck there, 
in, in, in my job on Sunday was situational stats. In other words, if a team was rushing more than four or five, I would have to tally that, and then they would show the graphic in the second or third quarter. So on the Saturday, I get there, and I really don't see John Madden because he's on his bus, and they got me running around. So eventually the producer says to me, I need you to go to the store, grocery store, and I need you to get these items. So they wanted cough drops, tea, honey, Blistex, and red cups. I said, okay. So and I was told because of the height and, and, and the – and basically the desert, and uh, he needed a blistex for every quarter. He would he would he would put the blistex on his entire lips like, so he, I bought four for him, so one for each quarter. And when he would go on camera, they would take it off. And then the lemon and the, and the tea was for him and, and Pat. And who knows what the red cups are for? <laughs> very very nice. <laughs> like like uh, story time with Mike Jarecki. So that's what you did Wednesday night. Me, I for the first time all season, I watched Hard Knocks in season. And for those that might not know, they are chronicling the Indianapolis Colts. And episode seven just happened to be the Christmas night game against the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know why. I, I, some of that is just fascinating, the well, behind the scenes yeah. and the microphones. And sometimes you see things differently. But I, I, I had to watch. It wasn't – It look, it wasn't even any better watching it a second time or even a third time. What kind of bothered me was just how – not so matter-of-fact, but – Everything that we discussed on Saturday, pregame, postgame, the number of starters out due to injury or COVID-19, yet the Colts were able to respond and get the win. And the celebration and how the players, coaches, owner Jim Mersey in attendance inside a suite with his family and how they reacted and the jubilation and the gutsiest win in my career, according to the general manager. So it didn't feel any good, but I just felt, I don't know, I Part of me felt like I, I needed to watch just to see if there's anything outside of what we saw firsthand. Now, the uh, the Patriots had played them prior, and uh, they asked Belichick, are you going to watch it? And I don't know if he'll watch it, but he did have somebody watch it. And I'm like, first of all, teams control what goes over the airways. Now, I'm sure the networks are pushing when it comes to the real hard knocks where you, you take a storyline, a guy's you know, drafted free agent or like Trayvon Diggs' his son and becomes a star. So I'm thinking you're not really going to get anything out of there. But Belichick doesn't – and they still lost, gave up 200 yards rushing. And I will say this, NFL Films, um, I think it's on Showtime or HBO, and um, they had, after the game, J.J. Watt walked over to Jonathan Taylor and said, we knew this back when you were at Wisconsin, which they both went to Wisconsin. And then Chandler comes over, and he, he says, man, keep doing what you're doing, 2,000 yards. And it was really nice how respectful the Cardinals players were, even though they lost, on what this guy has accomplished so far this year. And, again, you had the great stat. After that 43-yard run, he only averaged 2.5 yards a carry. So hopefully the Cardinals can build on that. Obviously a different matchup with Tony Pollard and uh, Zeke Elliott. But – yeah, it was. It, I, I just. It's nice to see, you know, that J.J. Watt was there. He knew how good he would be. It was just a matter of time. And and Chandler's like, keep going, man. Two thousand yards. And there was another play. Oh, it was James Conner. The and, respect yes. amongst players across the league and is he, something that gets. And he said, I still had that picture of you and I. You know, maybe 
you know, just maybe football camps or I don't recall when they both came out, but yeah, it was just it was nice because we don't we we don't see those interviews on the sidelines. Obviously, Christmas night NFL films. It was a doubleheader that day with the Browns and and the Packers. Yeah, and, and a lot of times you know the Cardinals have players mic'd up, which we always enjoy listening to because this is the passion of the game. You don't know what's going to be said, but it, it's just the respect factor, and I really thought that was classy on the Cardinals' part. One of the behind-the-scenes from this Hard Knocks episode was the defensive line room and defensive line coach Brian Baker and assistant defensive line coach Matt Rach, who was with the Cardinals oh, yeah. for several seasons, 2007 to 2012, and just how they described Kyler Murray and what they needed to do. And all of a sudden, I think it was Coach Baker mentioned he's the gingerbread man and then asked the rooms, like, what's that nursery rhyme? And Coach Rach chimed in, run, run, fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. So that was kind of the theme the entire week that they had to bottle up Kyler Murray. And we've heard different players bring up different adjectives and try to compare Kyler Murray to this and that. The gingerbread man was a new one. And there was another one added to the list by Micah Parsons, the Cowboys rookie, standout rookie linebacker, compared Kyler Murray to a cheetah. Now, Parsons likens himself to a lion. So here's the, here's the response when asked this week about Kyler Murray. Parsons, quote, the cheetah is the fastest animal, but I mean a lion doesn't just go by himself. So if you've got a pack of lions, then I like the lion over the cheetah any day of the week, end quote. And the reference is the Cowboys defense, a pack of lions, will surround the cheetah, although the cheetah is difficult to catch. Yeah, I was wondering that, and, and, and even the Dallas media is like, um, Lions aren't that fast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you used the word pack, pack alliance. That's and that's got to be Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Micah Parsons, and then you know other players that they have on defense. Yeah, but um, and last week, you know, when he was playing with the Niners, scouting Kyler Murray, uh, DeForest Buckner called him a squirrel, and we've heard Jackrabbit, <laughs> something that is difficult to, yeah track down and bring down and the other aspects of this ESPN's Ed Werder covers the Cowboys does a great job had this tweet earlier on Thursday Kyler Murray is such a unique player that Mike McCarthy indicated the Cowboys have used four different players to simulate the Cardinals quarterback in practice Ben DiNucci Cooper Rush both those players are quarterbacks CJ Goodwin a cornerback and Cedric Wilson a wide receiver because of things that Kyler Murray does that no other quarterback does regarding how he runs, how he throws, and just his elusiveness. So he is number one on your scouting report each and every week. And now all of a sudden it's – I just like these different adjectives because it does kind of – I wouldn't say dumb it down, but comparatively, you know, how does Kyler Murray stack up with this player? But how about you kind of go outside the box a little bit and – figuring out, you know, in the wild. And that's basically what the defense is trying to do there. You're trying to hunt down the opposing team's quarterback. Yeah, and, you know, it was interesting when Kyler was asked yesterday about his 57-yard run. I mean, because we know he's capable of that, and you know how I feel when he gets in the open field. He's Devin Hester. He makes grown men look silly. It looks like they're on roller skates at times. or, But it was kind of surprising. He's like, yeah, yeah I mean, that was – and now that's on film. That is on film. And we haven't seen him run. That was his career long? Correct. Yeah. So, And it was nice to see him just pull it down. Now, clearly, 
they prefer to throw the ball down the field. But if, if he's able to take a negative play and make it a positive play, it's on film. And I still think, you know, they got to rely on James Conner and, and Chase Edmonds. That's where it all starts in the offensive line. But he is a weapon uh, when he's in the open field. So, But it was interesting. Like, I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just test it out. Yeah. Might have to and see. that tells me he's healthy, where he's not worried about, you know, the hamstring or the – no, it was more of a high ankle sprain. But that tells me he's healthy, and that's good news moving forward as his team tries to win down the stretch. It's a good point because we kind of forget three games missed, four yeah. weeks total. We did not see Kyler Murray on the football field. Cardinals covered two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, are looking at practice on Thursday. What do you want to start with, MJ, the good news or the bad news? Bad news. You want to go bad news first? Yeah, just get it out of the way. <laughs> All right. The bad news is – Maybe a little alarming. I don't know. It is Thursday still early, but DJ Humphreys, the one offensive player who has started all 15 games, not spotted during the open portion of practice. As we speak here on this Thursday early afternoon, no specific update. I'll say this, though. I went back and looked up every injury report this season. It's the first time Humphreys has missed a practice or not been seen. So he is going to show up on the injury report here later on Thursday. The question is, how serious? What is it? Knock on wood, it's not COVID-19. Yeah, and usually it's um, 1 o'clock, you know, what is it? Uh, so usually 4 o'clock Eastern time is when the uh, transactions have to be inputted. Um, obviously, you know, when Tom Pelissero, um, Adam Schefter, they kind of get it beforehand. So I um, got my fingers crossed there. You know, I – I'll just wait and see besides saying, well, Kevin Beach can play left tackle because ideally you want hump out there and you want your tackles, especially going against a team that's really playing well on defense. So we'll just wait and see. Um, but I'm with you. If it's COVID, that is not – ideal for any team, let alone the Arizona Cardinals. Interesting that you bring up Beecham moving from right tackle to left tackle. That seems – now it's two different positions, and you like less moving parts, but what's the more important position? Do you want to protect the left side, which is the blind side, or are you moving Beecham to a position he hasn't played in two seasons? Well, but he only he said he only played for Cougs at right tackle. He has experience. Now, yes. the thing is, Josh Jones has 40 starts at the University of Houston. I just don't like that matchup. I, I, again, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, I trust Sean Coogler. He's going to play his best five guys. I think the idea thing is to, if Hump can go, and we don't know what, what the situation is, um, you got Pew. Hudson, I would assume it's going to be Max Garcia, even though Kingsbury did leave the door open either or, and then Beecham. So you, you, you kind of go back to, you know, what the starters were, minus Josh Jones getting a chance early on as, as a guard, at right guard. So we'll see. Josh Miles on the depth chart, listed as the backup at both left tackle and right tackle. That's the seventh-round pick in 2019. He's played sparingly the extra offensive lineman or on special teams. And then Eric Smith is on the practice squad. Again, Bird Gang, we're just giving you options here. We're trying to look ahead, plan ahead, plans B, C, and D, if you will. And hopefully nothing's wrong with DJ Humphreys this week or long term. But now all of a sudden you have a hole at that offensive line spot. Yeah, like I said, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, it's not like he was out there and then all of a sudden we didn't see him out there on Friday. Tomorrow's a big day. We'll be out there for the open portion. And he's a guy, you know, hopefully it's some, something that's just minor, again, speculating. And he, he's a guy that really doesn't need to practice all week because he's, as you pointed out, 
uh, correctly a few times. He's the only guy on offense that has started and finished every single game. All right, some more bad news. Also missing, Zach Allen, Jordan Phillips, and Marco Wilson. So we kind of touched on it earlier this week on Cardinals Cover 2, not expecting to see Marco Wilson, and that brings up, all right, what do you do in the secondary, specifically your two corners? We know Byron Murphy is healthy. We know Antonio Hamilton has started two games, including last week. He is also available. Now you go back, and Vance Joseph brought this up earlier on Thursday. This would not be the first time this season the Cardinals have gone into a game without two key pieces in that secondary. Week five at San Francisco. No Byron Murphy, no Marco Wilson. And the Cardinals were able to get the job done. If you do not have a Marco Wilson, remember Robert Alford remains on IR. You've got Byron Murphy, Antonio Hamilton, and then who? That becomes a question mark. The team did this week add a couple of cornerbacks to the practice squad. Nate Brooks, who was with the Cardinals back in 2019, he's got four career games. Isaiah Johnson, fourth-round pick of the Raiders in 2019, 19 career games. And interestingly enough, he was on the Cowboys practice squad earlier this season. He's got some size, 6'2", 210. Kevin Peterson also on the practice squad. So those are three names that you might hear and see potentially one of them, maybe two, get elevated on the the active roster prior to kickoff. Yeah, and unfortunately Robert Alford is not eligible to come back until next week because they can use him. I think he's in one of their more physical corners. So, you know, Antonio Hamilton has been a pleasant surprise. Um, I like his um, his football IQ, the fact that he can play inside and outside. You know, Kevin Peterson wears number 27, so I would have think Murph – Hamilton and Kevin Peterson will have to wait and see with Brooks because the Cardinals do have some insight on him. All right. You want the good news. How about some good news for this the, matchup against well, the Dallas Cowboys? The, the, it's not all negative news. It's just it's Thursday. Yes. And we know that th- things are fluid when it comes to COVID. So I'm just going to wait and see. That. So I wanted to get the, you know, the uh, not the bad news. I just wanted to get the, the, the early news that you had. Let's hear the good news. All right. The good news. James Conner on the practice field. Rondell Moore on the practice field. They did not practice on Wednesday. Calvin Beecham, Rodney Hudson also on the practice field. And Buda Baker, who did not practice on Wednesday because of rib injuries, was present as well. So I think first and foremost, you see James Conner on the practice field, and I'm sure he'll be limited in how healthy he is. Probably not very, but that heel is something. And last week it was a pain tolerance he was expected to play. Those were the reports Saturday. And then Sunday morning come, and, well, something happened, and he just wasn't ready to go. But if you can have James Conner and Chase Edmonds together, either in the backfield, one as a wide receiver, both as a wide receiver, it just gives Kyler Murray another option, especially when you don't have DeAndre Hopkins. I'll say this, Craig, and, and maybe I'm just beating a, a dead drum, but, you know, I look at the Titans game when they had a healthy Julio Jones and, and obviously a healthy Derek uh, Henry. Uh, maybe their offensive lineman was struggling on the right side. That was a complete team, you know. Um, I think the Rams, maybe the second go-around, complete team. The Colts, kind of a complete team. But I don't know if you're going to face a team that's, when it comes to offense, defense, and special teams, they are a complete team. And um, to me – the only way you're going to be competitive in this game, you have to run the football. And I'm talking about early in the game. You can't wait to fall behind. We know that their special teams 
you know, they'll, they'll go with a fake punt. Um, so once again, I mean, and it's more in, – and Schefter reported he was expected to play, and then he came back and said that they were close. Um, but maybe, they, you know, they're saying, hey, we can get through this game. We need James Conner down the stretch. Um, but they have to run the football early and often. That's their only weakness, stopping the run and getting in a third and three versus third and seven. So i got to think that's the game plan. And, you know, we had a chance to talk to Zach Ertz, and, and, and it sounds so obvious, but it hasn't happened in the last couple of weeks. This team needs to get off to a good start. And it was demoralizing when a team went, you know, 95, or they had the clock for eight minutes and 50 seconds. Yes, they only got three points. Talking about the Lions game. The Lions game. They only got three points. All of a sudden, now it's ten nothing, and all of a sudden it's seventeen nothing. So, listen, we can go talk to her blue in the face about yes, you need to score touchdowns in the red zone like you were, uh, but just having a drive like that, running the football, and, and and again, there's not a lot of weaknesses on that team. You fall behind, now you're playing catch up. We'll get into the Cowboys and the Dak Prescott led offense and what they are able to do. But it was interesting. You bring up Zach Ertz, and he brings up the fact that, hey, the offense, it's on us to help the defense. Quote, we want to make the Cowboys one dimensional, and it starts with us as the offense, getting off to a good lead to allow the defense to play aggressive and even more so because what we talked about with what's going on in the secondary. There's also issues at outside linebacker. Devon Kennard has joined Marcus Golden on the reserve COVID-19 list. There is a possibility for these players to test out, but you have to go in with plans that they will not be available. So, Questions asked to Vance Joseph. Dennis Gardeck, who is an outside linebacker, has not seen the production that we saw from him a year ago when Chandler Jones went out, and all of a sudden Gardeck was a pleasant surprise. Seven sacks, 93 defensive snaps. He was a world beater. But this season, zero sacks and 136 defensive snaps. He hasn't gotten a lot of reps because Chandler Jones has been healthy, Marcus Golden's been healthy, Devon Kennard's been available. This might be the week for Dennis Gardeck to maybe make some noise like he did a year ago. Yeah, and we know that he's really been more involved in the NASCAR packages. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, when you want to rush four or five and maybe you're, you're bringing more than they can block, he's been effective there. Um, really good special teams player, and and, uh, and I think it was encouraging when Vance did say that he's he's a 100% back. There's no limitation to him, so balls to the wall the way he plays. Um, but then you look at Victor DiMacchi. Um, I like his size. When they drafted him, what was the what was the comp from Steve Kime? Very similar to the skill set of Marcus Golden, and you know he's been a really good special teams player for Jeff Rogers. Probably doesn't get the accolades. Um, but I like his size, and um, you know. So, and then hold on about Debu Kaji, six two two sixty two, has not seen a lot of defensive reps. In fact, in fact, we haven't seen him on the defensive side of the wall since week thirteen at Chicago. He's only played sixteen defensive snaps, but that's that's waiting for your opportunity. Well, you, again, you're behind Kennard, Jones, Gardick, but he also is dressing on game day, which is encouraging. And Vance brought up a good point. When they played the Cowboys in the first game, he got some playing time there. I, I know it's totally different. Um, but the fact is that he's been in the system, and, and I like the way he practices. He's got a little um, tenacity to him. I, I like the way he um, he, he moves around. Uh, again, this, you're going to question the depth. 
And not to say he's going to go in there and, and, you know, fill up the stat sheet, but just having him on the field, I don't think he's an empty chair where he's going to do his job and hopefully other guys can make plays. There is a third name and one that I had not considered until the open portion of practice and seeing number 25 work with the outside linebackers during position drills. Number 25 is Zayvon Collins, an inside linebacker, but he has not played much actually hasn't even played any defense here in the last several games trying to look it up he has not played a single snap of defense in the last three games or in four of the last five games and Vance Joseph was asked about it admitted Saban Collins could have a role added that Collins has worked as an outside linebacker all season long we might not be seeing it, but they have utilized him in that role and would make sense, especially if you don't have a Devon Kennard or a Marcus Golden to plug in a Zayvon Collins, who hasn't done much defensively, but certainly has the skill sets and the size to rush the passer. Yeah, and, and you know, you got to find ways at this point. Uh, we know that, obviously, the way that Jordan Hicks has played and Isaiah Simmons and you know, hopefully they can get Tanner Vallejo back or Zeke Turner. may not happen this week, but next week. And then Joe Walker's out there. But, I mean, he's got a skill set. Um, we know that, you know, he, he's a guy that has the, the body to where he can create some, some, some havoc. The thing is, I don't know if he's the, the most physical player on the, uh, on the team. And, and, but, again, he gets by with his size and his speed and, and, and his um, – he can tackle. It's just – you, you gotta have you gotta have something in the pants, and he when he hits guys, it's not like he's hitting them to where he's trying to uh, obviously go through them. He's trying to make the tackle, so I give him credit there. But I want to see him play a little bit more physical um, if he's going to be playing in the trenches because it's different when you're off the ball versus when you're on the ball. And now you got to try to beat a left tackle. And Dennis Gardak is is he's undersized and undermanned, and you know he's he's kind of like you root for the underdog. He'll get there just based on I'm not giving up. And we saw that in the Giants game. He got he got pancaked, and the next play he was getting to the quarterback, and that's when Reddick had all those sacks. So, um, But I, I'm, I'm encouraged to get him on the field. It's just, you know, I don't know what to expect in the long term. Speed off the edge. Yes. He might not have the physical traits to beat a one-on-one matchup against either tackle, but yes. maybe if he's quick off the line of scrimmage, you can get into the backfield and at least make things difficult for the quarterback. Exactly. And the in their tackles, Tyron Smith, um, you know, he's he's been on the injury report, but you know, obviously he's going to play. Um, but also will free some other guys up. I mean, again, I, I, I just hope he gets an opportunity. And, um, you know, the fact is that they're willing to kind of take him out of his comfort zone because of a necessity here. Um, if Gold and, and uh, Kennard were playing, we're not even having this conversation. But the good news, he is dressing on game day. He is play, playing on team. So, in other words, he's just a matter. it's a matter of time where he can fit in. But I like the fact that they're willing to use him based on his skill set. There's an opportunity, and we talk about it all the time. Players want an opportunity. However they get that opportunity, if Zayvon Collins, if his number is called, go out there and do your best, show something to these coaches to where they want you on the football field. And then that morphs into more reps, not just as an outside linebacker, but maybe as an inside linebacker. And also give this kid, I can say that, I'm older than he is, but give this kid some confidence going into the offseason and make him feel like he's a part of the team. The keys were handed to him on draft night, not his fault, and he hasn't been able to deliver on those expectations. Again, not his fault. 
but you at least give him something something positive, something that he can hang on to over these last two games, maybe into the postseason, and then work on in the offseason. Might not be a lot. Might only be a couple of snaps, maybe on third and long, but at least you see him out on the football field and allow him to contribute outside of just being on special teams. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you go from 0 to 10 or 0 to 10 to 15 snaps, I mean, that's, that's again, uh, because of the situation, That's and, and I do like the fact that they're just not saying he's an inside linebacker. We can't move him around. You know, he, he when he was in college, he played a lot of different positions. He kind of reminded me of Brian Erlacher. He would play safety. He would play uh, inside linebacker. He rushed the passer in college. Obviously, playing at Tulsa is a little bit different, even though uh, um, Erlacher played at New Mexico. And he became a linebacker, you know, but but he played safety and he, he kind of played. I mean, a lot of people thought maybe Erlacher could play tight end, and, 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 you know, in college. So I, I just like they're, they're thinking, okay, let's think out the box here a little bit. Um, a, they need some bodies, and B, he does have a skill set to somehow get to the court. But he he has he has his speed, and his for his first step will allow him to try to make some plays. Like I said, I, I just like the fact that that you know, based on this scenario, um, he's going to get maybe a small opportunity. I don't see him playing a ton of snaps. They do have to hear Whitehead on the practice squad as a potential option as and well. And they've protected him a few different times this year. Again, you like the options? Now we'll just to see what the decisions on Saturday are ahead of Sunday's game. Week 17, Cardinals at the Cowboys. 225 is the kickoff. Big matchup. Cardinals come in 10-5, and five, Cowboys 11-4. and four. Cardinals, we know, are sputtering, and we detailed it on offense, but they've also been sputtering on defense. And let me know what bothers you most out of these numbers, MJ. The first seven games, Cardinals defensively could do no wrong. Number one in points allowed, number one third down defense at almost 29%. Now, in the eight games since, the points allowed have gone from 16 to 24 and the third down conversion rate has gone from 29 to 43. In addition, over the last three games, one takeaway. And for me, that's kind of what stands out is that one takeaway because the defense is not doing its part to help out a struggling offense. Now, it's more on the offense, but one takeaway over three games against a Jared Goff, a Carson Wentz, and a Matthew Stafford – I would have expected more than just one. Yeah, and and when this team was, um, you know, when they were seven and zero on the road, um, they had what's plus seventeen in turnover ratio, and then that's playing complimentary football. Yeah, it's just you know, um, I think you know it's a kind of a catch twenty two. Just the fact that you know um, they're only giving up like two hundred thirty yards, two hundred twenty five yards. The problem is these quarterbacks have thrown – the quarterbacks have completed over 70 to 75% of their passes, and some can be 21 for 28. Some can be like 28 for 30. And, you know, they're trying to get pressure up front, but the secondary just hasn't played as well as they have in the past. And, you know, this this is going to be a great test, and I, I would treat it like a playoff game. I know the Cardinals still have an, another game at the end of the year, but this, you're, you're going to face teams like this in the postseason. It would be a really good test to go in there and kind of try to shut them down. You're not going to completely um, – and I don't think they should get into a shootout. It's about time of possession, keeping Dak Prescott off, uh, off uh, you know, on the sidelines like the team has done with Kyler Murray. Week 14, the Rams, the number five scoring team. Last week, the Colts, number three. This week, 
number one. The only team in the NFL that is averaging 30 points a game. The Dallas Cowboys come in at 30 and a half. They are number one in total offense. They are sixth best as far as rushing the football, third best passing the football, and number one in explosive plays. And explosive plays defined as 10 or more yards. On paper, and then we saw it Sunday night against Washington. Again, it's Washington. That is a magnificent offense, and it's run by Dak Prescott, who is healthy. A year ago, Cardinals didn't see him. He was out for the season with an ankle injury. Now he is back, and losing that one game earlier in the year with a calf injury, he looks like he's completely 100% and has this offense rolling. Yeah, and I want to say he got the, the hurt the game before uh, the Cardinals played him, and that's why we got a chance to see Andy Dalton. Now, when I say this, we know teams don't make the schedule, and at the end of the year they don't ask you who you've beaten. They ask you how many wins you have. But let's just peel the curtains back a little bit here. Let's look at their last four wins. Tyson Hill, Taylor Heineke, Daniel Jones or Mike Glennon, Heineke again. Not saying that's murderer's row, but but you got to give them credit because, uh, you know, when we talked about it on the postgame show, the last segment we always look ahead, I think this defense is carrying this football team, but what happened – when you put up 45 or 52, now all of a sudden people are looking at this offense. And to me, they got a complete team. Um, offensive line, quarterback, tight end, three wide receivers. they got a one-two punch in, in Pollard and uh, Zeke Elliott. But they haven't played. Now, they lost to Derek Carr, okay? And they lost to Patrick Mahomes. And Denver beat him. It was 30-16. to 16. Um, so they really haven't played a lot of tough quarterbacks, and they'll play the Cardinals, and then they'll play Jalen Hurts next week. So, just a little bit to think about when it comes to the opposing quarterbacks they play. They have not faced a guy like Kyler Murray. True, and they have not faced a team like the Arizona Cardinals. Their last win over a current team with a winning record, meaning right now as we speak, with a winning record, the New England Patriots back in Week Six. Yeah. And they started off the season, lost 31-29 to the Bucks. So that's a quality loss. Of course, that was the opener for the season. Then they won a nice uh, winning streak, beating the Chargers, Eagles, Panthers, Giants, Patriots, Vikings. Lost to the Broncos, beat the Falcons. And, again, they beat them 43-3. Uh, but, again, they haven't faced a quarterback like Kyler Murray. And, th and that could be the difference uh, factor. Now, if the Cardinals turn the ball over two or three times, that's probably not going to help you win. This game could come down to a Matt Prater field goal at the end. Uh, you know, they got Andy Lee back. He got Brew back. And Matt Prater, I'm sure he can't wait to get back on that field. Cardinals covered two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Dallas Cowboys last week, 497 total yards of offense. Fourth time this season they've scored more than 40 points in a game. And Dak Prescott in just a little less than three quarters, 330 yards passing and four touchdowns. MJ, he is top 10 in attempts, completions, completion percentage, yards, and touchdowns. But it's the 21 total touchdowns, 20 passing touchdowns, in seven home games this season, just two interceptions. We talk about the comfort level Kyler Murray has at AT&T Stadium. Well, Dak Prescott has certainly made AT&T Stadium his home here in 2021. All right, you ready for this? His last 11 full games at home, completing close to 70% of his passes. He's averaging 327 yards per game, 
8.6 yards per attempt, 31 passes, or 35 touchdowns, 31 passes and four rushes, only four interceptions in his last 11 home games, quarterback rating 116. So, I mean, they obviously, when they get a lead, it's, it's, t- it's tough to stop them. But not, we're not just looking at, I'm talking about the last 11 home games, 35 touchdowns, four interceptions, 31 rush or passing and four rushing, and he's in completing close to 68.7 and, again, close to 3,600 yards. So he – now last week, after um, after less than 20 minutes of play, Dallas was up 27. Dallas had 27 points, 13 first downs, 232 yards. They were 83% on third down conversion rate and two takeaways. And that was just the, after the first uh, less than 20 minutes of play. That's how that's how that game got out of whack. As much as Dak Prescott has excelled this season, and he has, I do think, and he might even admit to this as well, every quarterback should, starts up front with those offensive linemen. You brought up Tyron Smith. He's missed the past two games. He has returned to practice, and there's a possibility he is available as the left tackle this week. Zach Martin a four-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler at right guard. They are giving Dak time to throw the football, and they are picking up the blitz. Pro Football Focus, 29 touchdown passes, but a league-best 19 against the blitz. We know Vance Joseph likes to bring pressure. Can he afford to do that and put those corners and those players in the secondary not on an island, but one-on-one against the likes of a C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and don't forget about the tight end, Dalton Schultz. So not only is Dak playing well, but he's got a solid offensive line and weapons across the board at running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Yeah, I mean, uh, we know the Cardinals uh, initially like to play a lot of man-to-man press across the board. They may have to play zone here and just hope that you know the front seven can get some pressure, take them out take him off his uh, spot, but he will he will extend the pocket. He will roll out to the right and left. Um, he's not just going to sit in there and try to, you know, go through his progressions. He, he'll try to buy some time, cut the field in half, and so they may have to play more zone, and then you, obviously it's not ideal when you don't have Robert Alford, but they're going to have to go in there with Kevin Peterson, Byron Murphy, and Antonio Hamilton, and I do anticipate we'll see somebody um, brought up. It could be Brooks just based on his experience with the uh, with the defense. C.D. Lamb, over 1,000 yards, his first 1,000 receiving yard season. Amari Cooper looking for a fourth straight 1,000-yard season. He's at 768. And in the wild card in all of this is Schultz, who's got a career-high 69 catches and six touchdowns. The tight end, you have to be aware of him. Is that Isaiah Simmons? Is that Jordan Hicks? Joe Walker got burned last week on a tight end coming across the middle for a long gain. So that's you can't, you can't forget about the tight end, and then Coach Joseph earlier brought up Tony Pollard, their backup running back who is sneaky good with the ball in his hands, especially catching it. Yeah, and, 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 and Zeke really was pedestrian last week, just numbers, but he's got 10 rushing touchdowns, so it looks like kind of Pollard's kind of like Chase Edmonds, 20-20, to 20, and he's ripped off some 30- and 40-yard runs this year. He also plays on teams. Um I don't want to see Joel Walker on, on the tight end. Um, I don't want to see Jordan Hicks, but maybe you can put Buda or Thompson. But I, ideally, Isaiah Simmons would be the matchup. 
Elliott's been bothered by a knee injury all season long. He started. He hasn't missed a single game this season, but you look at his per carry average, it's not great, 4.3, but he's got almost 900 yards. That's seventh best in the league. And then more importantly, remember last season, what happened with Zeke? He was coughing up the football. I think he had two fumbles in that meeting against the Cardinals last season. He only has one lost fumble this season. Protect the football, and I think they're being judicious with him as far as when they use him how many times to where it's advantageous to them as far as short yardage or needing someone big on third down. But they do have that one-two punch that we talk about with the Arizona Cardinals, Chase Edmonds and James Conner. I thought Zeke was very heavy last year, and you could see that you know based on his contract – and, you know, they, they obviously rewarded him with a nice long contract, and he was, uh, you know, the fourth pick in the draft, but he was heavy. And you can see in the offseason he's definitely uh, improved. He's lost, he looks like he's in much better shape, where now instead of a three-yard run, he can get a six- or seven-yard run, and he's very effective in the red zone. And he can catch the ball in the backfield too. So, you know, that that's kind of the recipe. Um you know, in 15 games this year, he's only rushed the ball 210 times, 899 yards, but he does have 10 rushing touchdowns. Overall, he has 10 uh, touchdowns. I, he, I may say he's got a passing or receiving touchdown, but 4.3. Um, career-wise, obviously, he's been a guy that's been carrying the load for years. And he's almost kind of been forgotten about in the last season and a half because of a Derrick Henry or a Jonathan Taylor, and all of a sudden, like, don't forget about Ezekiel Elliott, who once upon a time was the running back in the National Football League, a long lineage of quality, great Hall of Fame running backs with the Dallas Cowboys. Zeke's not quite there yet as far as Hall of Fame status, but he is very, very good. We just haven't been able to see it. Yeah, so last week he was 9 for 37. Um, he had a touchdown, and he had a receiving touchdown. The week before, 16 for 52, 12 for 45, 13 for 45. And then you could see he was dealing with that ankle injury. Back-to-back weeks he had uh, nine carries. Now, earlier in the year, in week four against Carolina, he had hundred. He had 20 carries for 143 yards. He backed it up the next week, 21 carries, 110 yards. But he hasn't really reached that plateau, and I think it's because – a, they're passing the ball. You talk about Schultz, he's got six touchdowns. And then when you bring in Tony Pollard, he's kind of their 20-20 20 to 20 guy. But clearly when Zach's in the red zone or on the goal line, they're going to feed him – or Zeke, they're going to feed him the ball. We always hear Vance Joseph say, stop the run, make a team one-dimensional. I don't know – that was the game plan last week. You wanted Carson Wentz to beat you, and he did. It wasn't Jonathan Taylor. This week, I don't know if it's so much stop the run as it is just kind of slow down this Cowboys explosive offense because you stop the run while Dak still has Lamb, Cooper, Schultz, Gallup. I mean, there are still other bodies out there. It's not like this team talking about the Cowboys runs how their running game goes. I mean, they can go out there and just throw it 40 times if they want to, especially with that offensive line. And when the Cardinals secondary is banged up, they know that. And all of a sudden, maybe a Kevin Peterson gets targeted or someone else from that practice squad that just arrived. It's amazing whether it's a coach in the booth on the sideline or a player on the field. When someone new comes in, whether it's during the game because of an injury or someone shows up late during the week, they always know where you are. You're always going to get picked on first play. And it's amazing to me. Um, We've seen it a few different times when either – um, walkers out there, they 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 target them. Last year we watched it in week one when 
Uh, Kyle Shanahan went after Isaiah Simmons. Um, it, it's there must be a position coach that goes. That guy's not a starter. He's a backup. We're gonna and, and, and they target him. And it works. Like I know that there's position coaches that just keep an eye on that. If you lose a starter and you got a guy that hasn't played a lot, they're gonna target him. Uh, when you look at Pollard, 127 rushes, 710 yards, averaged 5.6 yards a pop. He's only has two touchdowns, but again. Um, he's a guy that carries the ball between 7 and 12, 13 times. And it doesn't seem like when they get a lead, they rely on him. It's more about what he can do from the 20. And, and those numbers remind me of Chase Edmonds with average per carry. Well, Edmonds is at 5.5. That's seventh best in the league. And Pollard's at 5.6. That's fourth best. And in the Pollard league. only has two rushing touchdowns where Chase only has the one. And hopefully Chase Edmonds with a game under his belt now and maybe with James Conner back in the fold, we can see more of that Chase Edmonds-James Conner dynamic. But defensively, this is a huge challenge. And I think Coach Joseph mentioned that word challenge at least a half a dozen times during what was an 11-minute interview session with the media on Thursday. So no bigger challenge than the next one. And the next one is this week against the Dallas Cowboys. And you certainly know what the national perspective is on this game. Fox moving it into the late window, 225 kickoff, Arizona time. That means something. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, that means something. And I think the players, the more we hear from them, whether it's Byron Murphy or Jordan Hicks, Zach Ertz on Thursday, they understand that they're under the gun as far as trying to end this losing streak and get some positive play and a win going into the postseason. If it happens this week, great. If it happens next week, great. But they need something to get them back to feeling confident about themselves because whether they admit it or not, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have lost confidence in the Arizona Cardinals despite what they're only five 10-win teams. Yeah, six. Six. The Rams were the last one, yeah. And now – Cardinals are one of those teams. Yep. There's not a single team in the AFC with 10 wins. They're all in the NFC. I think I may be on an island this week because I've asked a couple different players, hey, now that you've clinched, because they were pressing. And Kyler says, well, there wasn't a cloud of us. They were pressing. They had an opportunity in the Rams game. I give the Rams credit. That was, They treated like like a, play, like a playoff game. They were desperate considering the Cardinals thumped them in week four. I mean, physically thumped them. And then, you know, you get to the, the the Lions game, and maybe they didn't take them serious. I mean, it's safe to say, and next thing you're down 17 nothing. And last week I thought they, you know, went toe-to-toe. That came down to the fourth quarter. But I just think they were pressing, and we were, they weren't playing clean football. But nobody, I'm on an island this week. Nobody's agreeing with me that the pressure's off. Just go out there and play. Uh, I've tried. I've asked different guys, and, and – you know, I get it. That's the mindset of this team this year has been one week at a time. But I just feel like they were pushing, they were pressing to where it affected them on the field. They were trying to make plays. They were trying to get a 17-point score when you you got to work. You got to you got to respect the process. You got to go down and kick a field goal and get a couple touchdowns. But I feel like I'm on an island this week, and I just feel like the pressure's off now. Just go out there and play football. You cl- you clinch a playoff berth, and they're not getting enough credit for clinching a playoff berth with two games to go. Last year, they couldn't win in week 16 and 17. It's all they had to win is one game, and they would have got in. So, to me, the pressure's off. Yeah, we get to the postseason. You know, you don't want to be one and done. Um, you know, it's all going to be based on matchups, home or away. 
Um, but I feel like this team should be able to play a little bit looser where they don't have to say, oh, we can't clinch a playoff berth for the last three weeks. Maybe I'm on an island. We'll see how it works out. Well, maybe they just don't want to agree with you because they'll know they'll <laughs> go straight to your head and all of a sudden you'll walk in around and say, I figured them out. But I do think there's something to what you're saying that not that there's less pressure, but and I, don't, and I know Kyler Murray used the cloud and it has been cloudy I, here I, in Arizona. I said the cloud. I said you – again, I – I'm fine with that. He just said, listen, a lot of people are making comments about this football team. They don't know what they're watching, and that's why I was encouraged this week when they say, and they've been saying that all your little things, we know the penalties, falling behind, not being able to pick up third downs, extend drives, not being able to score touchdowns in the red zone. But according to them, and they haven't played their best game. Well, the season's running out here. It's time. It's time. And it, and they have enough talent and they have enough depth and they got enough leadership in this locker room to where just go out there and play football. That's what they did early in the season. And, you know, whether the national media was waiting for the shoe to drop, which I think they were, um, don't worry about it. You're in the playoffs. And now you can kind of fine-tune things before you get into postseason. If they don't like what is being said, then change our minds and put something on the football field that can be talked about, discussed, broken down in a positive manner. You can't say that these past three well, weeks. Well, and, and, and again, I, we can look at every single game that they lost. Um, you know, the Lions game is going to stick out to me in the Panthers game. Can't go back and change it. But the perception would be a lot different if they were able to clinch in Detroit and didn't have to worry about, you know, somebody else getting them in. And I keep hearing, well, they backed their door in. They've earned the right to be in this spot. They were eight and one when Kyler was the starting quarterback. Okay, yes, you're ten and two, and you're ten and five right now. But at, at the again, at the end of the year, they don't care who you beat. How many wins do you have? And the fact is, um, they're not going. Uh, you know, putting on cruise control. That's not my point. I'm just saying you don't have the same pressure to where every three games in a row, well, you couldn't clinch. Well, when you got ten wins at this point in the year, uh, and teams, in other cities right now are just hoping they win out and get help. Cardinals don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. Hopefully the pressure is off, whether they want to admit it or not, and this team does play better coming up on Sunday. And for the Cardinals to win, well, that will tease us moving forward. Mike Jarecki with some homework on this Thursday night. No Thursday night football, so you have your entire evening free. Well, ASU's playing at 8.15. I don't know if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to last that long. <laughs> I'll watch the beginning um, – you know, Ross Kalaji, former Cardinal, he's a strength and conditioning coach at Wisconsin. So I, I wonder if ASU is just happy to be in this bowl game and are they going to match the physicality. But uh, there's been some bowl games on. But uh, I kind of know right now what I'm what I'm thinking. And um, if you listen to the show over the last couple of weeks, pound the rock. Pound the rock, baby. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.